Well, good night for the insiders' take on all of this. Jamie and Kathleen are in Vancouver tonight, and David is in Calgary. Here's what I want to start with, kind of the news of the night, that there are changes happening within the Conservative camp, both on the issue front or the policy front, as it relates to refugees in this case, but also in terms of the management structure of the campaign. Um, now, you heard what the ad issue uh, people had to say. The, the, this question is more on your expertise in terms of what does this do to a campaign structure uh, when these kind of changes are made at the halfway point of a campaign. Why, Kathleen, why don't you start us? Well, listen, it can be um, startling to a campaign team that has been woven together for weeks, if not months, if not years. But this does happen. I mean, the NDP about a year ago retooled, appointing uh, Anne McGrath as the national campaign director, changing up uh, Tom Mulcair's chief of staff. And that really um, injected some new energy, new ideas, and new discipline into the campaign. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be um, a negative thing, or it could be positive for the Tories. As, uh, as mentioned in the Ad Issue panel, um, there's still quite a bit of time left in this campaign, 39 days. So uh, there is time for them to still kind of retool. Uh, that said, it's questionable if Linton Crosby's advice um, really will add anything different. Uh, as been mentioned in news reports, he's been a part of the team for some time, um, has a very interesting history, both in Australia and in the UK, in terms of his conservative tactics. And I don't know if they'll be imported uh, well here in Canada. David, uh, you've seen campaigns that uh, have crises in the middle of it. What, uh, I'm not sure whether crises is the right word to describe what we're witnessing in the Conservatives right now, but this kind of change, what impact does it have? Well, I've perhaps been one of the crises at the heart of a campaign. In the 2004 election, I was in the same position as Jenny Byrne uh, uh, has been in terms of public calls for my head. But uh, I think it, it's incredibly disruptive and I think it's a little different situation than what Kathleen is describing. A year out from an election is still time for all those relationships to forge and especially for the trust relationship to be built uh, in the team and between the team and the leader and I think that this kind of a change although the Conservative campaign looks like it is in need of new ideas and some new approaches this kind of change if it's a real change in authority and reporting structure is likely to create a lot of confidence issues and a lot of missed signals and miscommunication over the rest of the campaign i think it's a problem jamie uh, you know a lot of the people involved in this uh, what's your sense well, first of all, we don't know if there has been a change or not. This guy has been around for a long time. It goes back to uh, one of my former colleagues, Patrick Lutart. They've been these parties have been very close for a long time. So, I, I, a lot of it will depend on whether there was consensus amongst the team. We had to make some adjustments or not. And you know, I think it's clear that where the Conservatives started and where they are today, they've not gone up. So it's reasonable to make some adjustments and uh, some changes. So I'm not sure, though. I'm a bit of a contrarian on how much time is left. A lot of people think the campaign started this week, we're halfway through, the real campaign started, the phony war stopped. I'm actually not sure that's true. I, I have more confidence in Canadians. I think they were quite capable of multitasking in August, of being on holidays and making some choices. And I think the Conservatives need to look at what they've been doing. Let me talk about the, uh, the interviews that we've witnessed this week. And, and I want to get your thoughts on, on a couple of things. First of all, 
in, in terms of their, their value and in terms of the decisions that have to be made by parties, the kind of risk and reward uh, decisions about actually agreeing to do them. There's a lot of negotiation to get these interviews, uh, but in, in the end, all three of the main parties agreed, and uh, and we saw what we saw. Watching them, uh, Kathleen, what what do you give us a sense from inside what the decision-making process is to go ahead and do these? Well, listen, if you're sitting in a war room and you're trying to decide what interviews you're going to let your leader do, these are the risks that are presented by taking on an interview like um, the leaders did last week with you and they aired this week. The risks are this. You've got a tired leader who's already been campaigning for five weeks across Canada. Um, they're going to have minimal time to sit down and prepare. There's a big chance that there could be a slip-up, something that would go on air at national broadcasts that uh, the campaign doesn't want to go to air. And the problem is that with the lack of kind of um, uh, a national national uh, English debate that's happening from the broadcast consortium, these kind of interviews, the interviews that you did this week, really become appointment television. Everyone was tuning into them, everyone was listening to them. They're the first real in-depth interviews of the campaign. So those are the risks. The rewards, however, are great. The rewards are every leader has the opportunity to sit down and truly appeal to the audience to gain new voters. They have the chance to be authentic, to reveal parts of themselves um, that otherwise might not happen in the kind of cut and thrust of uh, press conferences on the road. Jamie? Uh, well, Peter, I, I think the, the uh, of course there's risk in these things. A lot of it depends on the skill of your candidate. But frankly, I think there was probably an impossible risk to say no. I don't know how you say no to the public broadcaster. I don't know how you say no to you. And I don't know how you would have got out of doing this. If two of your opponents did it and one didn't, it would have been a disaster. Yeah. So as much as there was risk, I don't think at the end of the day there was much of a choice or much of a decision. David? Yeah, I, I think that's right. But I think that the risk-reward for the three parties in the situation that they're in, all muddled together, tied, um, the rewards were much greater than the risk. Nobody seems able, uh, after a month of campaigning, to close the deal with Canadians. Uh, everybody's jumbled up together. You presented people with an opportunity in a m much more than you can ever do in the seven seconds of clip you get on the news to lay out mm -hmm. your case uh, for why uh, you ought to be elected. And I, I think all three of them took advantage of that. And I think it was the biggest learning experience for anybody in the campaign so far, what we learned about the parties and the leaders mm -hmm. in those three nights. You know, I've only got a minute or so left, but one of the questions that I've had repeatedly since these were on the air is why did they have so much trouble talking about themselves? You know, that question about why would you make a good prime minister that came at the end to each one of them they all kind of you know reverted to policy what, what's the issue here why do they have such trouble talking about themselves Jamie uh, it's a curse of people like us you know who have over prepped over media trained over packaged and over message tracked these people and uh, we've come to a world where we think any chance of freelancing or making a mistake is much worse than uh, staying on a message track. And frankly, I actually think they missed a really big opportunity in the way each of them responded to that question of yours. Kathleen? I think it is hard um, to open up like that when you've been trained by your staff so much, but it's kind of for the viewers at home, it's like it's very easy to draft a resume, to put down your skills, your experience down on paper, but to draft that cover letter, that letter that sells yourself to the company that says, this is what I have to offer, this is why you should choose me, this is why I'm the best fit, that's more difficult than doing your resume. And so it's that kind of authentic speak when you're asking a leader to open up why they should vote, why Canadians should vote for them. It's, it's more difficult, but it can be done. Jack 
Jack Layton did it. I think we saw a glimpse of it with Mulcair last night when he talked about, you know, the fire in his belly and how his belly was a little bit bigger than others. But uh, that kind of self-deprecating humor is appreciated by Canadians. You get the last word, David. Oh, Lord. Anyway, <laughs> um, the... Um, I think when you asked him that question, you know, Kathleen talked earlier about the risk. Uh, there, this was a case of classic risk. When you asked him that question, I'm sure for a millisecond, which seemed to them like a long time, their mind was worrying through a million different potential answers to that mm -hmm. question and trying to sort out what could be done and manipulated and used in each one of those against them and finally decided, oh, screw it, I'm going to go with policy. <laughs> well, yes, certainly one way of putting it. Listen, thanks to, uh, to all of you, David and Calgary tonight and uh, Jamie and Kathleen in Vancouver.